All right, I brought my surfboard to church. You guys want to do this first or this first? Wait. Pagans. I taught you guys. We'll do, we'll do this first and then this one? All right, All right here we go. Ready? Um, so, by the way, what if, I, what if I were to say to you, it was a great song about love. What if I were to say to you, the only thing that really matters in life is faith showing itself in love. That would be a good saying, wouldn't it? I mean, that would work like at church. That would work at the coffee shop, wouldn't it? That works with people that don't go to church. Hey, I'm just, oh, I'm just about faith expressing itself in love. That's all that really matters. I mean, that kind of goes everywhere. Here's the kicker. That's in the Bible. That's in Galatians. That's what we're studying. And I'm not going to read it yet because we're going to ramp to that. We're going to get there, all right? Now, some of you, uh, some of you, all right, let's do the surfboard. This is my surfboard. This is what I surf with. Now, if you're watching online and you're in California, I know. It's not California surfboard. It's a Michigan surfboard. It's, it's wake surfing board, all right? So I get it. I'm not there yet. But um, this is my surfboard. This has got some meaning to me. Um, my friend Danny bought it for me. So uh, it says surf's up. That's the text that goes out. That just means if you're suddenly feeling a cough at work, I'll meet you on the lake. Just kidding. All right. Do your job. Um, this, this, this A stands for Agnes's, uh, his mom. After I did his mom's funeral. So that, this was a gift. Um, and, of course, you got a little Bob Marley because if you're surfing, you got to have a little Bob Marley music in the background. This is my surfboard. Now, here's the thing. Um, this used to be Danny's surfboard. He, he bought it. He hated it because he couldn't surf on it. So he gave it to a friend, and then he had to buy it back from the friend to give it to me. He paid for it twice, and it's in my house. All right? Now, this is going to make sense. I have another surfboard. I think it's going to come up here. So, uh, so this is my surfboard. This is the one I surf on. But this is not the one I started surfing on. All right? I didn't start surfing on that one. This is the, this is the board I started surfing on. All right? This here. All right? Now, this here... All right, this is the one I started surfing on. It's, a, it's bigger, and uh, this is uh, this thing's like a this thing's like a freighter. You know what I mean? This is uh, here's how you compare these two boards. I'm going to read Galatians in a minute. Just be patient. All right, this this is a minivan. This is a Ferrari. How many get what I'm saying? All right, they don't look that different. All right, to, but when I first bought a surfboard, this is what I did. I still remember. I had my boat. I, I I, I, I parked it in, in, in some, like, marina thing. I went tearing across an asphalt parking lot. I have vivid memories of this to a store that had these in there. I had no clue. I never bought one before. I just looked at the first one on the rack, and I said, I'll what? Take it. And I grabbed it, and I ran across the hot parking lot again, went in, and I surfed on that for years, right, years. And I had never tasted a Ferrari. Huh? Never even tasted it. So here's the story. So we would go out for years, and, and I would surf on this, and Danny would surf on this, right? And Danny surfs on this because it's safe. It's stable. It's easy to get up. It handles bad waves. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a minivan. How many, got the, how many drive a minivan? I won't look. 
It's safe and it has all that, right? Now, this is a Ferrari, right? This does very different things. And so one day I was like, Danny, just try the other board. He was getting better and better and better. I'm like, you'll love it. If you try, you'll like it. He goes, no, I don't like that. He just hugged this. This was like a security blanket. He goes, no, I just like my green board. Okay. One day I said, come on, just try it. So he tried this thing. All of a sudden he's like, whoa, this is, this is different. This is fun. And he gets better and better and better. Last year I got him to do a 360 on this board, right? Full spin, catch the wake. Now guess what? He won't even talk to this board anymore. He won't even look at it, right? He just walks right by and hugs this one. Now I'm going to take you to Galatians, and this is, I'm going to tie this in for you. Before I do, if you've been here, I hope you've been here. I hope you've, how many of you have been here for the first couple weeks of the Galatians series? All right, if you missed what is a Galatian, you need to go get that message online in the bookstore somewhere. You need to devour that message. What is a Galatian? It gives you the history behind the letter that we're going to study. What we call a book in our Bible is actually just a letter. It's a letter that they found that Paul wrote to these churches in a region called Galatia. He went and traveled there. It's in central Turkey today. And I showed you pictures. You missed it. If you missed it, I'm sorry. But this is the deal. He travels there at much expense, nearly giving his life to start these churches. Then after he leaves, people come behind him who have kind of a religious bent to them. By the way, Paul exceeded in the religious category above anybody, but he just transcended it. So... They come behind him and they go, oh, no, 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 you aren't doing it right. You aren't doing it right. You aren't religious enough. You aren't following the rules enough. You aren't following the law. And Paul gets steam coming out of his ears. And he gets a a, a guy in the room with a pen in hand. And he starts dictating this letter. He's just, I, I picture Paul pacing. You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? It's in there right? Who cut in on you? You were running such a good race. What happened? Why are you turning to another, quote, gospel, which is really no good news at all? Gospel, good news. Paul encounters something so good, so freeing, so fabulous, so fun, and then this crowd comes along and goes, no, that's not safe. I need you to stay here. And we find ourselves in a battle between what I call religion, quote, and spirituality. Here is their message. You need to follow the law. You need to follow the law. Um, You need to obey the what? The rules, right? These are the things that God cares about the most. There are other words in there um, that these things do, but Paul comes along and says, no, it's not about the law. It's about, he uses this word, grace. Paul said, it's not about rules. It's about what? Relationship. This is so important. It turns out there are two different systems. This system equalizes religion, right? 
I'm always afraid I'm going to misspell something in public here. It's very unnerving from the front. All right. This one, spirituality. In fact, if you've ever, if you, I dare you to read Galatians with me this summer, and when you read it, underline how many times you see this word, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. He's, oh, and then you see this word in there, the law, the law, the law, and the spirit. And what Paul's doing is contrasting the two, the law and the spirit. He's, used, he's contrasting the law and grace. He's contrasting, right, um, he's contrasting religion and faith. Over and over and over again, he says, live by the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Follow the, the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, on and on and on. And so this is what Paul teaches. Now, the letter opens like this. He goes, how could you? Galatians 1, right? He says, I am, ready, astonished. Huh? How many of you ever came home after cleaning the house and it was a disaster? This is Paul. I am shocked after cleaning this house and doing it. How could you? How could you? He leaves and someone makes a mess after him. He goes, how could you? You're so quickly deserting, right? The one who called you to live in the, what's the word? I say it out loud. One, two, three. It is. He taught you to live in grace. Now we're going to talk about grace in a minute. And bring in a different gospel, which he says is a perversion, and it's really no gospel or no good news at all. He says, you're being fooled. So Paul teaches them this. This is the whole book of Galatians. Ready? He teaches them grace, relationship, faith, spirit, the fruit of the spirit, last part of Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self-control, I didn't forget. He goes, against such things, there is no law. How many can handle some of this? Love, joy, peace, patience. And that's what he says. He goes, but you're going back. These guys are beckoning you backwards. Say, you need this. You're saying, you can't drive that Ferrari. That's not safe. Stick with the minivan. Ready? You need to be, huh, circumcised. We'll talk about it later, kids, all right? And uh, if you read the letter, so Paul dictates this letter at the very end. Paul goes, hand me the pen. And the scribe goes, what? Paul goes, hand me the pen. This guy is always writing for Paul. Paul said, hand me the pen. And he goes, with my own hand, I'm writing this. See how large it is? Paul, they think, had bad eyes. And he just wants to drive it home. He goes, circumcision doesn't mean anything. Now, if you're a Jew, that means everything. He goes, that's, it's, that's just another rule. Circumcision, he says, what God wants you to become is a new, what? Creation. That's the end of Galatians. You should read it. A brand new person. Watch. Ready? Because religion tries to change people from the outside in. And what God does by his spirit, he creates us a new person from the inside. What? Out. This is so important. 
because I know some of you are going to buck me right now. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Hold on. Hold on. Yes, but. We need this. We need rules. We need this. Okay. Paul says, of course you need rules. Rules, law, religion has a time and a place in your life. Stay with me. A time and a place in your life. How many of your kids remember learning to ride a bike? Remember? All right. Um, remember your first bike? Anybody? Remember your first bike? I, I brought your first bike here today. I want to show you. Was your first bike something like this right here? Spider-Man. And you got, the, you got your training wheels here. How many remember this? Now, uh, when you get your first bike and you're learning, your dad or somebody else throws on some what? Some training wheels. Some training wheels. So Paul's in the middle of this letter, and he's, he's, already, he's already thinking about their arguments because they're like, no, but you need the rules. You need the law. You got to. Anybody ever been beaten up by a Bible thumper before? Anybody? You're not doing the word. You're not doing this. You're not doing this. All right? Anybody? Got some wounds to show for him? Okay? And, and this is Apocalypse. He goes, well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that the law doesn't do any good. He goes, the law provides a service for a while. And he uses the, he uses the phrase, he said, a law is like a guardian. So in those days, if you had a kid in your house, one of your, I mean, I'm just telling you the facts, not agreeing with it, but I'm just saying one of the facts is you would have had a slave, and the slave or the servant in the house, it would have been their job to be the guardian of the child. So it was their job full-time to take this child to school because a lot of times young boys would be attacked by older men and all kinds of crazy stuff went on in those days. So you just had a guardian, and the guardian basically got you to school, protected you, got you where you needed to go. So you weren't lone prey. How many understand what I'm saying? This guardian was incredibly valuable, protected the child, took care of them. And Paul says the law was like a guardian. It watched over you, took care of you, provided you. And then when you became an adult, you thanked the guardian for his service. And then you what? Dismissed him. Thank you. Time and a Paul was saying the law is like training wheels. Training wheels are really good when you're what? Learning to ride. They make you stable. They keep you going. This is so fun. I love riding a bike. And then something happens at a certain age and you go what? I don't want these. Anybody remember getting rid of the training wheels? I don't want these anymore. They are cumbersome. They're in my way. I mean, I want a, I want a Ferrari. I want a corner. I want to I want to lean. I'm in from Flint. I got a corner. I can't be. Right? All your friends are cutting the corners and you're just like, eek, 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 mommy said. And so there this is important. There comes a time when you thank the training wheels for all that they did for you to get you here. And then you what? Put them in the garage. Paul says, this is so important, Paul says, the law got me here. But now I'm being led by the Spirit, and he uses this word, 
freedom. I'm free. I'm free to follow the Spirit's leading in me. This makes some of us nervous, let's be honest. Freedom makes people... There's actually a word for the fear of freedom. I tried to pronounce it in the first service. I did so bad, I'm not even going to try. But there's a word for the fear of freedom. The Israelites experienced it. Remember, Moses was trying to take them out. They were slaves. They were slaves. He's trying to take them out of slavery into a promised land, a good land, and they kept wanting what? I want to go back. I want to, It's safe. Moses was like, you are getting beat. He goes, but, but it's safe. We fear freedom. So sometimes what happens is God's trying to take you to a different place. He's trying to tell some of you, it's okay. You could take the training wheels off. Now, for those of you that are heavy religious, heavy fundamentalist, those of you that are getting ready to email me and you're formulating it in your mind now, listen. Just listen for a second. I want to give you a scripture. I want you to think about this. This is Galatians 5, 18. All right? Now, so... This is, what, this is what Paul writes in here. He says, you, uh, if you're led by the Spirit, ready? You're no longer under the, what? Law. This is such an important verse. Everybody should write it down and highlight it because next time you're getting whacked by a Bible fundamentalist, this is what you do. You go, you go but I'm not under the law. I'm under the, what? It says that in your own Bible. Bible jujitsu. Back at you. In other words, this is important. This is important. And what Paul's going to prove, if you stay with me through the series, all right, what Paul's going to prove is this. People that come to go, I just follow the word. I just follow the Bible. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. First two things. Paul's going to prove two things. First of all, you don't even know what's in there. This is what I find when people come at me with their Bible verses. All right, let's try. I start just throwing scriptures out left and right. And I go, ah, all right. Second, your first fall is you don't even know what's in there. Second, you don't follow it anyway. I, I hate to break it to you. Paul it just like humbles them, just bam. In other words, you're flunking already at this. And this is true. This is what happens. People that are in this system and they go, no, I just follow. I just, no, you don't. And this is what happens. People, when they follow this system or they think they follow it, they are frustrated. Right? They're, they're, they're frustrated with themselves. They're never feeling good about themselves. Oh, I'm not a good Christian pastor. I'm not a good Christian. And then they're judgmental. They're judgmental because then they, well, you're not doing this. Well, you're not doing this. Well, you're not doing this. Paul says, why don't you upgrade into this where this, you follow the Spirit. God gives you his Spirit, and you follow that leading. And right away you're going, yeah, but, yeah, but, but it's too squishy, Chris. It's squishy, and people are going to try to get away with stuff. And Paul, that's why at the end of his letter, he, you have this quote where he says, a man will reap what he sows. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. And he says, don't use your freedom to indulge in your sinful nature. You say, this is all in the Bible. I know. It's all there. It's in black and white. How many of you, either you were the recipient of this or you've tried to do this with your children? Um, 
you heard phrases like this. Money doesn't grow on... You did hear this. So somehow this covered our, our, our parenting universalism. Uh, you know, parents go to a class and they learn these phrases. Money doesn't grow on... And so what you're trying to teach your son, you're trying to teach your son, you know what? You need to understand the value of a dollar. You, you have had that class. Uh, my mom called me the other day. So my mom watches my brother's kids. She's kind of the guardian, basically. She's the nanny. She's the, 20, she's the third parent. She doesn't get the luxury of being gummy bear grandma, you know, give them candy and leave. She has to do the disciplinary work. She has them all day in the summer. So they just got let out of school about a week ago, and now I think, you know, they're stretching her a little bit, and she called me, like, frazzled to vent. These kids, and she loves them. You know, she kept saying, I love them. She kept caveating as if I were to think she didn't love them while she vented. She goes, these kids. <laughs> it must have just happened, right? And she goes, they're whacking each other with their iPads. You know what I mean? And they're just they're like weapons. They're just whacking each other with their iPads. And, and she's just frustrated. And she goes, they don't even understand how much money that is. And I'm like, I know, I have no idea. She goes, they got $1,500 worth of technology and they're beating each other with it, you know? And she's just, anybody, everybody been here before? And you, what are you trying to teach them? You're trying to teach them, you need to learn the value of a, anybody have, have you done this? How important, by the way, how important is this exercise? Huge, thank you, very. Unbelievably important because if you just hand kids things the rest of their life and they don't invest and they don't work, and here's one of the challenges that we have. I mean, some of us feel like we're poor, but we're not. You have the ability to do that. You have the ability to skip them actually doing work and you feel like you're doing them a favor, but you're doing them a what? Disservice because they aren't learning to earn. Now, if they break an iPad that's $1,100 and they earn $9 an hour, they realize I better, what? I better not use that as a weapon. But if you never learn to earn, you never have the perspective. How many have done this? Please put your hand up. Or uh, yeah, I want them to learn. I want them to learn. So you learn. My dad taught us. You know, he, he, we had all kinds of toys and everything. But he always wanted us to work. He wanted us to have skin in the game. He wants to know what did it take to earn this thing. And so you go from this level, you know, five years old, to money grows on trees, to money just comes out of that plastic thing that mom pulls out of her purse, right, to, whoa, and this, this learning curve can be big. I mean, some people are learning it and they're 40. You're still paying their cell phone bill. Too close to home? All right, 32. <laughs> I went to, a, con I went, I went to a, a thing for entrepreneurs. They had a guy, a millennial there, speaking to try to help older people understand millennials. And, and this, you, uh, you should have heard the whole thing. But anyway, this is what he said. He goes, and he was busting on his own generation. It was very, very interesting. But anyway, he said, he said, we did a survey among millennials to find out when did they think they needed to stand on their own? When did they think they should stand on their own? And he was talking about his grandpa's generation. You know, when you're 18, it's like, boom, see ya. I mean, literally, don't come back. You're 18. And then like his dad's generation, it was like 18, get in the army. Right? And then the next generation, it was like, well, 
go to college and I'll help you as long as you get certain grades, right? He said, now, survey them. When do you think you should stand on their own? 32. 32, right? So from 3 to 32, that's a long time. But sometime between them, they need to learn what? How to earn their own way. I mean, please raise your hand and say you've done. Okay. But that's only half the story. Once you learn how to earn your own way, then something else happens in life. Some point in your life, some of you maybe not even aren't there yet. At some point in your life, you learn this. I actually didn't earn anything. It was all given to me. It's all grace. Some of you are halfway there. You go, well, yeah, but I still kind of work. But you're not there yet then. You'll get there. At some point, you will learn it's all grace. Say all? It's all grace. For instance, all the hard work that you needed to do. Did you need your lungs? Anybody need your lungs this morning? Did anybody need your lungs? Um, what did you do to get those lungs? Well, they were gifted to me. Oh, do you need certain things to go in and out of those lungs? Oxygen. What did you do to create? Well, I guess that was a gift too. And the mind and the hands and the heart. And something overtakes you at a certain point in your life. Some of you aren't there yet because you're still strutting. <laughs> when you're strutting, you aren't there. It's okay. You'll get there. You're talking about what you earned and how you did it, and you made your own way, and your dad taught you bootstraps, and you're talking that lingo, and you'll get there. But it'll happen. And after all those years of learning that first step, the training wheel step, which was a very important step, then you're going to go right past it and say, you know what? It's not about earning at all. It's about grace. That first lesson can last a long time, and it is a vital lesson. But then you take another step. And it's not about effort. It's about gift. And you wake up every day and you realize that everything that you have is a gift. The ability to go to work is a gift. The opportunity, everything. What Paul is calling people to in this is he's calling them to grace. Grace is something that is just given. And there's nothing that you do. There's no effort. There's no thing that you sign. You, you just, that's all a part of the first part of life. Paul's calling you to the next half. Have you done it yet? It's hard in an American culture. Well, I earned it. I did. You, you did? You earned the right to be born in America? No. I earned the right to have lungs? No. I earned the right. You start going through the list and you go, it's all what? Gift. It's grace. And then you're humbled. And then you're grateful. And then you're a different person because you realize that we're all operating on grace. That's just how things actually 
work. Yeah, you get up and you participate. I'm not saying you don't. Of course you get up and you go to work. You do your thing. But you do it with a sense that everything that I have is a gift, including my connection to God, my relationship with God. I pray for our generation that we get through the first stage of the journey soon so that we can get on to the next half. And I pray that we would find ways to teach our kids that they do need to earn and do this and do that so they can get on to realize that they never deserved anything in the first place, but that it's all a what? A gift. But if people never get to the first part, they never can get to the second. And some of us get stuck. In our growth, we just get stuck. And that's when you become proud and arrogant and judgmental. And you start talking about whether it's your financial earning or your spiritual earning. You start to let people know what you did to get here. I've been baptized. Well, I'm Catholic. Well, I'm Baptist. Well, I'm born again. I'm evangelical. I'm Presbyterian. I'm... And you start to let people know what you've done and how you've earned it by the prayer you said or the thing you did or the whatever happened. Instead of saying it's all God's grace. You're sitting here today by one thing and one thing only. The gift of God. That's why you're here. And once you go to that level, you become loving and transcendent. And you thank God for the training wheels. That got you there. But you realize that they had a time and they had a place. What I would like to do to end the service today is I wish that I had a wrench I could hand out to everyone. You know, sometimes we got little tokens. If I had them, I would give a wrench to everybody. And this is what I would say. Isn't it time to take off the training wheels? I mean, thank God for all the things. And by the way, we're going to study Paul. Paul's coming up. All the religious things, the rules, the this, the regs. But after a while, you want to turn a corner. And the only way you do is you got to take those off. And God wants to take you to another level. But you have to have the courage to take them off. And don't let people agitate you and tell you all these things. I know, I hear, it gets back to me. Oh, you go to Orchard Grove, that's the easy church. It gets back to me. Uh, we're, we're hard. That's the same, it's the same thing, it's 2,000 years ago. Oh, you gotta come, we're hardcore. We, rah, 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 bah, right. I don't know, it just, I mean, it gets back to me, I get it. So it's, uh, it's people that they don't want grace and freedom. They want this. And if that's training wheels and you need that, then you need it. But there's a deep calling. There really is. There's a movement happening. By the way, do you know why? Do you know why the young generations left the church? This is what they think it is. That's all they've heard. That's all they've heard. You're not doing this. You aren't doing this. You aren't. That's why they're, they're gone. And now other people, non, I, they're learning this stuff outside of the church. Go figure. 
I'm done. All right, let's stand. We'll have a prayer together. We'll do more next week. If you dare to come. We're going to talk about Paul, because Paul, because some of you are like a little stuck. You're still a little religious, and that's okay. I'm glad you're here. You can ride into green board. But listen, you're stuck, and, and it's okay. That's where you are. But you're stuck in pride. You're stuck in, and, and, and Paul was there. Paul, you can't trade religion with Paul. Paul would clean your clock. He did religion better than anybody, but then he, he came to a dead end, and he said, I got to take something else. There's something more. If you're ready for something more, then come back. 